There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Are you serious? So this is How to Kill an Hour. There's plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you in advance for killing some time with us. My name is Marcus Bronzy and on today's show, I'm joined by the comedian, TV host, amazing TV show maker, which we'll get onto as well, uh, Ramesh Ranganathan. How you doing, man? You are right, brother? Uh, how you doing, man? You are right. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Now, um, first things first, uh, we are currently still in some sort of lockdown, mm. Ramesh. Uh, how have you been killing time in lockdown, man? Well, I uh, I've been playing a lot of Fortnite. Is the truth? Yeah. It. Well, basically, right. my kids because we, we, I got we got three boys and um, we've been doing homeschooling with them uh, and that uh, turned to shit very quickly. <laughs> so because um, you know, like everybody with kids, we had all of these aspirations of like doing some proper shit with them and. You know, doing a full day's education. I used to be a teacher. My wife is, uh, you know, occasionally still teaches, but she used to be a full-time teacher. So we had all of these ideas of what we were going to do. Um, and then it became really difficult because the kids are starting to get stressed out and stuff. And they've been playing Fortnite nonstop. And uh, I don't know morally how I feel about our kids playing Fortnite because essentially, for those of you that don't know, it's a game where you get dropped onto an island and you have to kill everybody else on that island. That's essentially the aim of the game. And our, yeah. yo- our youngest son is five, right? And, and, <laughs> and like the other day I heard him saying, oh, I've got an AR. And I said, to, I said to my wife, should our son be talking about assault rifles? Should, should a five-year-old kid be talking about assault rifles? I think that's up for debate, you know? And, and, and you, you think about the differences, the disparity between what we think is acceptable for them to watch in film and on TV, as opposed to what we allow them to experience on video games. It's incredible to me. It's like my wife was not sure about letting our kids watch friends because they talk about sex and stuff. And I was like, they, they killed like between them killed 30, 35 people this morning. I I think them watching Monica talk about how she wants to shag Chandler is probably going to be all right. (laughs) You know, you know, um, you just made me think, Ramesh. You made me think that the whole going into quarantine and coming out with a new skill set, your kids have taken that to a whole new mate, level, bro. Mate, if this is the apocalypse, I have got three of the best trained soldiers in the country willing to defend <laughs> this house by all means. But the, but the truth is, I was trying to like figure out a way of engaging with them because obviously they're so obsessed with Fortnite. And yeah. but, the, but the thing is, is that they actually. The thing about it is they want to talk about Fortnite all the time. And so I just thought, I'm just going to join this, kids. Because, 
you know, you could either take the approach of going, I'm f- sick of you talking about Fortnite. Can you stop going on about Fortnite? And so we went the other way and uh, I've joined. Uh, I've, I, I, I've, I've started playing Fortnite uh, uh, and I, I sort of play it for either from my phone or from my laptop. Uh, and it's it's mad, man. It's like they've started... They they look after me in these squad battles. Do you know what I mean? It's like they'll go, Dad, I've got a weapon for you. Dad, I've got a med kit for you. Come over here, Dad. You're, you, you've not got a lot of health points. Come over here. Let me hook you up. You know, all this stuff. And it's like, basically, in the outside world, I look after them. I say I look after them, Mark, because I'm actually me and my wife does. Mostly she bears the brunt of it. And... Um, but um, and, and in and in uh, Fortnite, they're looking after me. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty. It's, it's a nice way of connecting with your kids through a hideously violent video game. Do you think Fortnite gets away with it because it's um it's kind of cartoony looking? Like it's not like COD. COD looks real, doesn't it? COD is. It feels very like a simulation. But it, Fortnite's it, like a bit like you know, it's it's a cartoon, isn't it? Well, really? if, if they were if they were playing COD, I would be much more worried. I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. If they're playing COD, I'd be much more worried. And the reason is, is because, like you said, that is a war simulation. Do you know what I mean? Like, like that is so immersive. Whereas I look at my son and he's killed somebody, but on the other side of that, he is a banana. So you can yeah. sort of, you can sort of appreciate. That wasn't a racial slur, guys. That wasn't a racial <laughs> slur. I just want to say. <laughs> Rubbish! Freaking up! Five minutes in, bruv! Right to the edge! So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so you sort of go... And also, there's no blood in it, really. Do you know what I mean? And even yeah. when you die, like, the way that you die is like a, like a light shines on you and you get sort of called up to Fortnite heaven. It's, it's not quite... Yeah. It's not like your head comes off or anything like that. So, uh, so yeah, I've kind of made my peace with it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about how your teacher skills were faring at home with the homeschooling, but I think you've kind of answered that as well, haven't you? Well, you know, I used to be a maths teacher. Uh, and the, the thing is, is that these kids, they're, they're taught in a different way to how I was even teaching it. So um, when, uh, when they ask me to show them how to do something, it's really weird. They make me feel old because they go, that's not the way the kids are doing it, man. Like you're doing it in some, you're doing it in some old fart way. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not the way I was showing yeah. how to do it. So just like, so I'm actually I'm having the experience of not being able to teach them, but also them losing respect for me professionally as a as a former teacher. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's uh, it's a, it, homeschooling has been treacherous, but I think it's been treacherous for everyone. Do you know what I mean? I actually think all parents, and I've been saying this a lot, parents just give yourselves a break, man. We, we've been yeah. given a tough ask here. Which is delivering delivering an educational experience to our children on top of the inherent fear and anxiety that comes with a global pandemic. So you know what? Cut yourself some slack. There was a reason why people had this specific job before you were in lockdown anyway. That's, that's the whole point of school, right? Correct. So, and also, all parents out there, stop fucking pretending that you are homeschooling the next Einstein because because you are the one teaching your child. So many people are like, today we learned quantum physics. No, you you didn't. YouTube, a YouTube video explainer is not learning quantum physics. Listen, I've seen your Facebook post. You don't have the skills. All right. You haven't got it in your locker to deliver high level education. All right. So stop fucking pretending. (laughs) Yeah, man. I hear that. Um, So how about yourself? When you're getting some downtime, how are you killing? I mean, you said Fortnite on a phone, actually. I want to go back to that because it's quite challenging playing it on a phone. I've tried right. it, and it's not like on a console. It's you get well, rinsed. Well, this is what happened, right? Is that um, so? I bought a Nintendo Switch, okay, 
Yeah. And um, I love that piece of kit. I think it's unbelievable in terms of like, um, I think for me as like, you know, I would describe myself as a, as a, a casual gamer. Like I like playing a lot, but I'm not one of these hardcore guys that goes in deep for 48 hours and all that shit. I just sort of dip in and out, right? So the Switch is great because it's got those kind of games that you can get really into. Like Zelda's pretty immersive and you can probably get into that. But then it's also got Mario Kart and shit like that that you can just dip in and out of. Anyway, I bought a Switch for myself, but used the usual thing of telling my wife that I was getting it for the family because I'd read, you know, because I'd saw these like Switch family games and shit. And um, yeah, and anyway, what happened was that got commandeered. Uh, by my children so then what happened it so they started playing it non-stop I wasn't even seeing the switch right and the, and the other thing is the lack of respect these kids have for expensive kit is absolutely disgusting it's absolutely insane I bought a case for it this thing the case is bulletproof uh, and yet they have scratched that piece that that switch to shit it's insane it's absolutely insane. How dis- you know what? If I'd have showed you that switch and said, oh, this comes from, a- we- they salvaged this from a war zone. You'd go, yeah, yeah. That looks- it bears all the wear and tear marks of something that must have been, I- I- you know, it must have been in some sort of Middle Eastern country that was dealing with some heavy conflict. <laughs> That's what that looks like. So I was furious, right? I was furious, but I was like, do you know what? Have that switch, okay? Because... Do you know what? I've got another series of this show. I can I can afford to splash out and get myself another switch. I'll get myself another switch, right? The kids are with me when I buy the switch, and I'm giving them all this lecturing about. Listen, you're not touching this, okay? This yeah, is my yeah, switch yeah. now, right? Recognize, yeah. okay? You've got that switch, <laughs> and you've ruined it. That's yours now. You've made your bed, okay? Now you can line it. And then my son, he said to me, "We took the first switch. I probably he's eight years old. This kid. Imagine an eight-year-old looking in the eye, and he went." We've taken the first switch, we're going to take the second switch, and we're going to take every single switch you buy. Like, he said it like that, like he'd been possessed by... It was... It was. Anyway, long and the short of it is, they did do that. So, so, so he threatened... He, he thre- one second, he didn't threaten you, yeah? He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't tell you... He didn't give you an ultimatum. He said, Dad, this is how it's going down. You know, like how people talk about how when you really want to make something happen... You just speak it out loud and then the universe listens. And gives it. That's basically what he did. He went, that switch will be mine. And the universe answered because I haven't seen that switch for months. So now what, what that means is, is uh, and by the way, the kid's already got a PlayStation. All right. So, so now I'm in a situation where like a, like a fucking chump, I've bought, I've paid for two Nintendo Switches and I'm playing Fortnite on a fucking phone. That that is that is what that's how how I've been emasculated by my children, mate. This is the future, You're running the world already. No, insane. insane, insane. But I mean, is it is it an enjoyable experience playing it on the phone or not? Or or is it? Are you getting away with it? Or is it? Are you just doing it to just be like, well, I, you know what? I'm fine, kids. I I can still play Fortnite on my phone. Are you what? actually? Because for me, it was a bit challenging. I'll be honest. I was a bit like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just gonna play pool on my phone instead. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's shit. <laughs> it, it, is, it, is, it is proper shit and it's sort of like you're running around it takes you 20 minutes to build even a basic set of steps do you know what yep. I mean? because you're fucking around with the, the the control and all that sort of stuff so yeah, I right. kind of uh, I think I'm going to have to buy a third switch but do you know something um, <laughs> do you know what my problem is I've got no issues I've got no issues with buying a third switch do you know what my problem is is that I just don't know what it will do to me 
emotionally if they take that one as well. I, I don't know what it will do to my self-esteem and my kind of just general psychological well-being if for a third consecutive time those kids manage to take that switch away from I, I, I don't know if I'll be able to live with myself. You know what's going to happen? A control pad's going to go missing off the side of your switch <laughs> and your son's going to be like, well, Dad, I needed it and I took it. Do you know this control pad thing on the switch, man? It, it's... So those those control pads, I don't know if they make them of eggshell or, or something like that, but they're the most fragile pieces of shit I've ever encountered, right? And um, I, I don't—I I was about to say I don't understand why they don't make them more robust, but I do. Of course, I understand why they make them more, more robust. It's how Apple make all their money. They make stuff that's designed to crumble in your hand. And so what happens is I have spent more money on Nintendo Switch controllers than I've spent on basic foods and groceries this year. <laughs> Because those things are a piece of shit. They're an absolute piece of shit. And what annoys me about it is on the occasions when I do play my Switch, I'll say to the kids, "Can I? I'm going to play the Switch because none of them are playing it. And then they'll go, oh, just to let you know, the controller's broken. And I, I say to them, why can't you tell me at the time you fucking break it? Because then I could have sorted it out. I'll be annoyed at that time. But I have the controller now. Now I've got to go and look and try and source one. And by the way, I don't know. The only reason I, I don't know if you've looked at Nintendo Switches to buy at the moment, but they are, for some reason, have become the hottest commodity in the world. You cannot get a Nintendo Switch for less than five hundred pounds now. It's mate, it's ridiculous. Like it's it's because supply and demand mate and there is a lot of demand right now i've noticed that and this is a little bit of a shift but i've not only noticed that but like and this is welcome to how to kill an hour the show where old men moan about things being expensive but my fucking shopping bruv mate there's no deals there used to be there used to be at least like a little you know like four sausage rolls for a pound when i went to morrison's do you know what i mean like you know some cheap dishwasher tablets this week nothing Nothing is cheap, no, right? In a moment. No, no yeah, go on. You know, well, that's the thing that pisses me off, right? Because before we had lockdown, all these companies, because they're in competition and they knew that we had choice and we knew we could go wherever we want, they started knocking down on the prices. They do all these deals. You walk into your supermarket, you look online, there's all these deals. And the way they pitch it to you is, we're trying to help you out. Every little helps. We just want to make a difference in the home. No, the reason they did it is because they're in a competitive situation and the second they don't have to, they'll fuck you up the ass in a heartbeat. And, I, and now they've been found out because as soon as they've had the opportunity to bump the prices up, They've all done it. They have all done it. They've all showed their ass, these fucking supermarkets. And, <laughs> and, and, and what I'm going to say to people is when lockdown finishes and we get out of this, I want you to remember when you go into Tesco's or Sainsbury's or whatever supermarket you're going to, and they go, welcome back. Oh, it's so good to have you back. We've lowered all our prices because we want to help you post-corona. Just remember, they're full of shit. They're absolute full of shit arseholes. Don't allow them to fool you. Every little helps. Fuck you, Tesco. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I was thinking about people that are doing really well off this, and supermarkets are doing really well. Uh, obviously, you know, game consoles are doing well. App downloads are ridiculous. There's like hundreds of millions flying around Romesh every single day, just off apps. Yeah, and then I realised who has been, who I've been the most loyal customer to throughout this whole lockdown, and that is Amazon. Yeah. Bezos, Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, I feel like this is what he was waiting for. This is where it has come into play because 
I have never purchased so much off Amazon before, right? And I feel like I'm not the only person. Are you, are you an Amazon? Are you a Prime buyer? Because I'm I'm Prime now, baby. Do you know? Do you know the thing is? Is Jeff Bezos? We all know he is basically Satan, right? We all know. We all know that. <laughs> I, I've not read anything about him that's made me warm to him at all, and yet still, I find myself because the thing is, somebody says to you. Oh, uh, and, and you know what the thing is? that It's not even necessary stuff. It's like somebody would go to you, oh, there's this beard brush that you can get that's like really sick. And then for some reason, I need it tomorrow morning. Uh, of uh, and Amazon is the only place that can make that happen. I don't, by the way, Amazon, allegedly, don't pay any tax. Jeff Bezos, allegedly, uh, weapons grade bellend, right? So, so you've got all of these things going on. I don't know what Amazon are going to have to do to stop people using them. Because at the moment, <laughs> you could find out that Bezos has got a child sex dungeon and you'd still want something within 24 hours and keep shopping there. I mean, it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> What's I, I, the most... Re- yeah, go on. I just, I, I just think that... Um, I, I just think that hearing about how Jeff Bezos has done well out of this global pandemic is that is textbook Jeff Bezos narrative that I mean the whole world is suffering and it's benefited him hugely that is exactly that is exactly what you'd expect from Bezos and Amazon 100% yeah yeah but it's um it's undeniable man I think I think now Amazon like you said we ain't gonna stop buying from Amazon but like Mm. they are positioned in such a way now that even after lockdown I don't think Amazon is going to be anything less than one of the most, if, if it isn't already the most used consumer uh, outlet ever. Like I think, I think there's Walmart in America, which is like, they own Asda. They're like the everything. That's why Asda's kind of sell TVs and everything now. Yeah. But Amazon's going to be the place where everyone kind of goes to get everything. It's going to be absolutely crazy. Do you know what? But, um, can, yeah. Do you know what? Can I just, uh, if, if, having talked about what we just talked about, I'd like to reverse my earlier statements about Tesco. <laughs> Tesco's <laughs> and all of those suits, Sainsbury's, they're great places. Do you know what I mean? Get your stuff, get your we stuff love you. Get, get we your love stuff you. from there, yeah. Yeah. We love you guys. We love you guys. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden you're on Amazon. It's like <laughs> seven weeks. What the fuck? Oh mate, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, and also right. when um they just decide I had a I had a bit of I had a bit of a weird thing with Amazon where like um so I was going to Australia on tour. And uh, uh, I wanted, uh, my wife was desperate to get a laptop. So just before I left, I ordered a, a laptop for her from Amazon. And then I got to, I was in Australia and it had been a week. And uh, I got it, I'd ordered it for her as a surprise. I'd addressed it to her and everything. And, you know, she'd really wanted a laptop. I thought, this is excellent. Uh, you know, she's going to get the laptop. She's going to phone me and thank me. I'm going to come back from Australia. Guaranteed sex, right? You know, all of these things are playing out in yeah. my mind, right? Anyway, a week goes by and... Uh, I've got no message from her to say, I can't believe you got me the laptop, thank you so much, etc. So I'm thinking, either this laptop hasn't arrived or my wife is an ungrateful piece of shit, right? So then I check the Amazon thing and it says delivered. So now I'm like, okay. So she's got the laptop and has chosen not to mention it. So I get in touch with her and I said to her, little thing, um, have you got the laptop that I ordered for you? And she said, no, I haven't got the laptop. I said, well... I said, it says it's been delivered. So has anything come? She goes, no, nothing's come. I then look on the uh, the delivery number. It's got her signature, right? She signed for it, okay? <laughs> so now I'm phoning her back 
And at this point, I'll be honest with you, I'm on the edge of rage, I would describe this as, right? Because she's now, I now know that she's signed for it. So I phone her up. Obviously, I'm in Australia. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to get into a phone argument. That's the worst. And then, you know, when is that going to get resolved? So I said to her, uh, darling, it's just I'm looking at your signature here. It's just, uh, it looks like you signed for it. She goes, oh, I did sign for something. And she goes and gets what she signed for. And she pulls out an unsigned greetings card, right? And basically, they had delivered just a blank greeting card, okay? Now, I didn't know. At this point, I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? Like, maybe the delivery guy's nicked it or something like that. So then I get in touch with Royal Mail. By the way, this story, I realise, is much longer than I thought it was, and I sort of kind of regret starting to tell it, but I'm committed to it. Crack on, long-form content. Let's go for it. Stay with us, guys. If not, you know where that 15-second button is, all right? Crack forward. Press it four times. You'll be safe. Listen, I would say at this stage, four times might not be the one. Um, but, um, but so, so anyway, get in touch with Royal Mail, and they say, no, that's what you got. That's what they gave us to deliver. So Amazon had sent me a greeting card, right? And said it was a laptop. I was utterly confused. I emailed Amazon and I said, look, guys, um, this greeting card that I bought off you on the picture on the website looked a lot like a laptop. And in fact, that's what I thought I was buying. And then they just emailed me going, oh, yeah, sorry about that. And we've refunded you the money. But no explanation like nothing beyond that. And the way that I was responding to is if that sort of shit happens all the time. Like it's almost like sometimes, you know, a blank greeting card goes out. Do, do you know what it is? With Amazon, <clears throat> they play the numbers game in a very interesting way. So right. they'll do, they're quite automated and they try to be good. So that obviously that's a bad customer experience, right? But with Amazon, they, they are so big and so confident with their service that they would rather just say, hey, here's your money back straight away because they know at some point in the future you're still going to buy from them, right? Um, also on that note, you kind of reminded me that, and, and you'll notice this now, Amazon, when you put your payment details into Amazon, have you noticed that it's the only company in the world or website that you purchase something from where they don't ask for the three digits on the back of your card? Apparently, this is because they are so big. They said to the banks, you know, Visa, Mastercard, whatever, you know what, guys? If there's a bit of fraud... Fuck it. We got it. We'll cover it. Are you serious? Think about it. Like, you know, how, did you, do you remember putting in the, the, the last three digits? I'm not asking you to go on Amazon now, but I'm just saying like, when you next go on Amazon, when you next have to update your payment details or anything like that, they do not ask for the three digits on the back Mate, of the card. That is, and do you know what that is? That is testament to how lazy we are as human beings. Because what, what they said is, <laughs> there is a possibility what you buy from Amazon is so impulse that they're trying to minimise the number of clicks to take you from seeing that thing to it being on yep. the way to you. And the yep. idea that you might have to put those three digits in is an extra moment of reflection where you go, do you know what? I don't think I need that anal sponge. And so, exactly. you, then, and so you then come completely back out of the thing. <laughs> yeah, and they did, they did some maths. They were like, look, over the million people that almost bought anal sponges when it got to the point where they put in the three digits we lost half of them yeah yeah so we did the maths and you know what visa will pay the fraud if there's like a hundred grand's worth of fraud it's all right because you know we'll make it back so it's quite interesting very interesting uh, so um yeah go, yeah go on what was that no i was gonna say listen that was you made that story worth it well done <laughs> see what i did i took the anal sponge and i i took that hotline and i made yeah. it into a hot sauce oh, really um jay's eat it um so you do put out a lot of content and we are going to talk about the new stuff that you've got out at the moment and really 
clever way that you're putting together Ranganation. And um, I just want to say, like, have you been spending time being able to write and stuff? Because some comedians said they've been, it's been a great time to write and others have been like, it's not really a great time to write. How has that affected kind of your creative? Well, it's it was difficult early on because you, you sort of, you, you're sort of processing what's happening. And so the idea of writing anything becomes sort of difficult. And also the other thing is, you know, I've got like scripts that I'm working on. And at the yeah. beginning of this lockdown, I thought to myself, well, this, we're never going to fucking make this. It's the end of the world. I don't know why I'm bothered. You know, it's very difficult to motivate yourself to write this stuff. But I actually kind of, I've actually kind of settled into it now. I think as time has gone on, it's, it's been kind of nice because actually, you know, writing doesn't d- proportionately reward the amount of time you spend on it. So, for example, when I'm writing stand-up, I could spend all day trying to write some stand-up and come up with very little. And then the next day, I could be sat at my desk for like 10 minutes and a fully formed routine just pops into my head just like that. And so you just don't know how that's going to come down. And so when you're under time pressures, it means that often you're writing stuff where you think, well... This isn't the best stuff, but I'm on a deadline. So I've just got, you know, do you know what I mean? Whereas now I'm writing stuff because I want to write stuff. Do you know what I mean? And there's a couple of things where like I've come up with ideas for stuff and we're now developing it. And it wasn't, there was no timeline on that. Nobody had asked me to do it. It's just because it sort of came to me in the moment and I was just, I was just free to write because I thought, fuck it. I'm, you know, like I've got a bit of time. I've got this idea. Let me try and take this time to flesh it out. But what I would say is, you know, if I was to offer any advice, I'm not in a position to offer any advice because I run my life terribly. But what I would say is people, I just don't think people should put themselves under any kind of pressure. Do you know what I mean? I think it's like, I think this kind of underlying uh, hum of anxiety that you have going on because of what we're going through, I, I don't think you should ignore that. Do you know what I mean? And so if that means that some days you just watch all of the last dance in one sitting, then that's okay. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't. You don't have to be like producing shit all the time, you know. So, um, but the truth of it is, I kind of got. I'm kind of up and down about it. Sometimes I feel properly inspired to do stuff, and other times I think I'm just going to eat today, uh, and that's going to yeah. be my that's going to be my target. Oh fucking! Are you listen? I had a chat with some of my close mates yesterday, and we have all collectively put on weight. Nobody I know has lost weight during this season. I mean, biscuits and donuts. I can't have them in the house, Ramesh, because I'm smashing them, bruv. Why, why would you not when they're that close? It's rude. I know. It's, I, I realised that the only reason I ever stop eating is because I don't have food in my hand. And now I, I, I'm in a situation where I can have food all the time. And I do have food all the time. It's absolutely disgusting. All of the time. But how is that going alongside the fitness classes uh, i'd like you to describe them to our listener as well for you know r- r- please crack on well the truth is is that um uh, <laughs> i am um, i uh, i uh, i can't stop eating and so i said to i said to my wife if i uh don't get on top of some exercise i'm gonna die yeah. i'm actually gonna you uh, you're going to have to cut me out of this house or some shit. Like I'm in deep trouble. And so my wife's a bit of a fitness fanatic. So one of the things that we've got into, uh, well, it's two things actually. The first thing is that I've been doing for a while is this Peloton, which is this like, 
It's it's a spin bike. It's pretty expensive. It's a spin bike, and they've got this. It's got a screen on it, and it's got all these online classes. So you can log on, and then these like a, a, there's some British ones, but it's mainly American instructors going. It's time to upgrade your hustle, huh? We didn't come here to play. We came here to maximize our gains and all this shit. And then you sort of sweat out your ass for 45 minutes and you feel good and there's a leaderboard and all that shit. So I've been doing that. But the new thing that I've been doing during lockdown is Zoom fitness classes. Uh, basically, what this is, is, uh, I mean, I mean, the clues in the name, really. It's a fitness class on Zoom. So basically, the instructor uh, comes on. The whole class are in like a gallery view on, uh, on Zoom. And then he starts uh, shouting at you to, to start doing exercises, basically. So my wife and I have been doing this. We initially did it in the kitchen. Uh, the problem is, is that when you do a fitness class, which I haven't done for a long time, you're all facing forward, right? So your awareness of what every, every, anybody else is doing is pretty limited. When, yeah, you're, do, when you're doing a Zoom class, everybody's, look, everybody's looking at the whole grid of, yeah. of, of everybody else taking part. So you're on screen. And uh, when we were doing it in the kitchen, we couldn't do it because there's so much debris from what we've been eating over the past week, just in the background. It just undermines your whole thing. So we started doing it in the garden. But this guy, man, he's a really good guy, but it'll just like be like this. Okay, if anybody, if anybody stops doing it mid-set, I'm going to add another minute onto this. So who's, who's dropping out? Who's dropping out? And then you're just shitting yourself that this guy's going to go, oh, because... Because Ramesh didn't do a burpee, you've all got to do 20 more. Well done, Ramesh. If, if everybody's angry about having to do more, thank Ramesh, right? So <laughs> what I've ended up doing is like just occasionally like jumping out of frame or pretending that I've accidentally star jumped out of the camera yeah. just so that I can just sit down for a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what you should do? You should just freeze for a bit and just go... <sighs> <laughs> No, do you know the other, do you know the other yeah. thing though? My wife is such a, what I've discovered about her during this lockdown, such a fucking teacher's pet, man. Like, it, it, oh. it's so, she's always trying to squeeze that extra reps. When he goes one second left, she'll always do an extra one. And then he goes, oh, Lisa, well done, well done, man. You're really pushing it. And she's saying, <laughs> fuck you. You're supposed <laughs> to be, we're supposed to be doing this together. Do you know what I mean? It's supposed to be a supportive thing. Not you throw me under the bus. By doing your little extra reps. Anyway. Does she does she say words of uh of like encouragement? Because that really fucking jars me. I'll be honest with you, like when I'm when I'm in fitness classes, which I rarely rarely am, I like to work out by myself. But when I was in fitness classes, when you've got like someone who's your mate with you and they're like, Come on, give it a bit more, give it more. I'm like, fuck you fuck it, you concentrate on your reps. Yeah, all right. Don't watch my reps. I, I don't I, I like to do things where nobody is commenting on what I'm I, I yes. don't I do not need a review. All right. Yeah. Just let me. It's it's as much as I could do to be here. Do not critique yeah. me. I do not need a trip advisor on how I'm doing my abdominal workout. All right. So just relax. Uh, so good yeah, work, champ. But, good but work, you champ. know what she does? She combines that with uh, finding my movements funny, and not deliberately. So not in a not in a way that's supportive or encouraging of my comedic talent. She just finds the way I do certain things funny. So uppercuts for example she says it looks like i'm shaking some sort of instrument uh burpees she finds hilarious uh press up she says uh, my form is comedically bad so it's kind of like uh it's kind of like uh doing uh doing an exercise class during your own comedy roast 
you know I mean? Where you're just trying to get fit and there's just some yappy little shit next to you going, uh, have you noticed the way that Ramesh does press-ups? His ass is so high up in the air. It's like he's presenting to an approaching dog. You know, shit like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like bullying at its finest. Yeah. Um, right. So uh, from stream, from live streaming to, to streaming, though, um, I was going to ask you what you've been streaming lately. You mentioned The Last Dance. I mean, I don't know how big an NBA fan you are. I know you're into hip hop. I know hip hop and NBA are quite closely related. But how was that for you? Have you managed to watch the lot? Because the last few episodes dropped this week. Yeah, I haven't watched the last few episodes, but I have been watching it. The truth is I am. Um... I recently got into NBA because me and uh, Rob Beckett, we did uh, we did a show for Sky One where we throw ourselves into different things. And one of those things was was, was the NBA. And um, you're right to point out the hip hop thing because basketball has always been something that I thought I should be into because it's, it's connections with hip hop are so strong, you know, and like the whole footwear thing, the whole... The, the music that they play during the game, all, everything about it is hip-hop, do you know what I mean? And, it's hip-hop, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's so many basketball references in hip-hop as well. So, But the but the problem is, for me, is was my inherent snobbery towards American sports. You know, the whole thing about, you know, I'm a football fan, so a goal being a climactic moment in a game, to me, is, is, is good. You know, that's how I like my sports to be. Whereas basketball is, it's so high scoring, I just think to myself, what the fuck? How can you have a climax to a game or whatever? But, so, so anyway, we started looking at the NBA and Rob and I went to a couple of games and we, uh, we did a bit of training and stuff like that. And, I, and we went to a game and it was like, I, we watched the game. It was uh, the Rockets against the Clippers, right? And um, we, we watched the game and I was like, this game is so exhilarating. Like, I was watching it just going, this game is amazing. Like it went right down to the wire. It was like crowd were going mad. It was, it was gripping the whole way through. And I said to Rob, like, how lucky were we, man, that, um, that we saw that game? And then I watched another game and it was exactly the same. And then gradually I started, to, I started texting my cousins from the States and going, can I just ask a question? Have I just been really lucky with the games I've been watching? Or are they all like this? And they go, look, man, what can I tell you? Like, most games are like that. And then I just fucking fell in love with it, man. Like, I properly fell in love with it. I downloaded the NBA app. I've like got all the games like to my phone and to my laptop, watching everything. Obviously they're not playing at the moment. And so, yeah. uh, so I, so I kind of came into the last dance with a newfound enthusiasm for it. Do you know what I mean? And, and it really, in a way it was kind of life changing for me because I've got to an age now where I thought all of my interests are now ring fenced. Do you know what I mean? I know what I'm into. This is the shit I like. I don't need to find any more stuff. Do you know what I mean? And NBA has just, I genuinely, mate, honestly, I was like, this is the sport I've been missing my whole life, man. Like, it's, it's such, and, and then you add to that the hip hop, you know, the, 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 the fashion, like all of that shit. It's fucking like perfect storm of a sport for me, man. And I, I feel so bad actually in a way that I let that scoring thing and my snobbery kind of stop me from accessing it all this time because what and also, I mean, let's you know, there's also the sexy element of dunking. I mean, that is oh yeah, that yeah. is so so good, man. And when we were when we were doing a thing with Rob, they, they obviously Rob and I. I mean, you've seen Rob; he doesn't have any of the physical attributes required to be a basketball player. Um, and, and 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 he he made me look suited to the game. Do you know what I mean? But what they did was is they we went and played a um, 
went and play, played in LA and they lowered, we played on one of the street courts and they lowered uh, one of the hoops for us so that we could dunk. And even knowing that it was basically a school height hoop, dunking, my God, it, it makes you feel absolutely incredible. It's so good, man. Uh, see, in, it, we we did see you play a, in in the new series of Saturday. We do see you and Rob play a, a game, a, a game of one on one, where I believe was it first to first to three points, was it? Uh, and uh, how did that fare out for you, Rubbish? That was. Uh, uh, <laughs> It was uh, an abject fucking humiliation, man. Because because we were playing with like we were playing with like some of the best street ballers from like the area and stuff, and they were like showing us what they're able to do. And then they were made to sit and watch two of the most pathetically coordinated human beings in history engage in a game of one on one. It's so but it's so bad because the only other problem with it is. You think you look so much better than you actually are. Do you know what I mean? Because like, when we were playing, it felt like quite a hard-fought game. I knew we weren't as good as uh, Senor Kakalaki and the other guys that we were what playing. What a with. name! Yeah, Senor Kakalaki. Yeah, yeah. freaking hell. So we knew we weren't Cracking. as good as we knew we weren't as good yeah. as them, but we thought we were, you know, passable. And then I saw some of the footage because the camera guys there. They said, "Oh, do you want to have a look at, at how it looked?" And honestly, man, it was like. It was like an out-of-body experience because I was just like, is that what we, is that what you guys were all sitting watching this whole time? That? It's so <laughs> bad. It, I'm sorry to be laughing like this, but it was fucking, it was, I was crying, man. It's fucking hilarious. Because did it really take as long as it took you in the show to, to get a point as well? So this is, so they've lowered the rim, Right, you've been trained. By the way, were you really in the hood as well? Like, yeah. you went to the hood, right? Yeah, so you yeah. went to like a hood court in yeah. South Central. Yeah. You, you've met some street ballers who are like elite players in this totally, it's not NBA, street ball's like a bit rougher and tougher. Yeah. And they give you this training class. So you're being watched by these elite street ballers. <laughs> do, you know what's so, do you know what's so bad? Do you know what's so bad about it? Is that like, they were so nice to us. Yeah. Uh, and then and then they watched us play and it was difficult for them to continue being nice because you've seen somebody <laughs> all might be so shit at something it's almost a disrespect to what you It was did. almost disrespectful yeah it was <laughs> You can see it. I saw, watch this episode, guys. You can see it in their faces. <laughs> I swear Rob goes to spud one of them and it becomes the awkward. One of them tries to handshake yeah. and one of them tries to... Sp oh, mate. Oh, yeah. amazing Rob, episode. Rob, Thank you. Rob tried to overcompensate for his yeah, uh, yeah. contextness and, you know, yeah, man. it didn't go well. So, yeah, uh, Rob and Romesh se season ser series two is out now. Um and, you know, I, I kind of rewatched the whole of the first series because I fucking, it was just hilarious. And we've seen you guys kind of try and conquer everything from DJing, uh, country music, uh, cricket. And, and in this new series, you've kind of like, you've cracked on straight away, haven't you? Like, so you've got NBA in there. Um, what, what else can we look forward to in that? Yeah, go on. So we did, uh, so this series we did, we did two episodes in South Africa looking at cricket yeah. and and then we obviously did the NBA episode. We went to LA and we also went to Paris. I mean, uh, and then the other thing we did was ballet um, with the Royal Birmingham uh, Ballet, what they're called, Royal Academy of Ballet Birmingham or something. I can't remember the exact name, but um, 
they th that was uh, that wasn't good. Um, I, I, the thing that I found the most humiliating about that ballet thing was um, ballet dancers have got incredible physiques, and Rob and I didn't look good in baggy basketball gear. So in that tight-fitting ballet stuff. Loads of people, like the production team get going, oh, this is really funny, this is really funny. And I go, well, what's funny about this? We've just put the stuff on. We're not telling any jokes. I'm not doing a bit here. I've just literally just put the fucking clothes on. So you tell me what's funny about it. Because what I think you're saying is, your bodies look funny in these clothes. <laughs> well, um, we all know the physique of people that do ballet. And, you know... I mean, they're, they're, they're maybe not as tall as you, Ramesh. Um, their asses are fucking unbelievable, mate. <laughs> male, belly, male ballet dancers, <laughs> right? Their asses are just insane. Just, yeah, they got booties. Mate, so... And I listen, I've talked about this in the show. It's a, it's a, a thing that i've made my peace with i've got no ass whatsoever i've literally got a line at the top of my legs right and then you go into this okay. you go into this room with these ballet dancers and perfectly formed junk in their trunk man it's just amazing they look like they're carved out of marble do you know what i mean you could they could they could sign their name with those asses it's <laughs> it could butter toast oh 100%. with those asses 100 percent. yeah man yeah, I mean that's um that was an interesting episode to watch. I feel like they I feel like they set you up with a super hard one there because ballet is everybody knows you start from the age of four, don't you? Do yeah, ballet, exactly. And, and then you may be at the top, mate. Thank you so much for making the most valid point because they were going and then um you know the, when the production team were talking to you, they go so you know you're going to sort of see how hard it is, and I go oh, hold on a minute. Neither of us think this is easy. You're talking to us. Like we came into this thinking our oh, ballet's a piece of piss. Nobody thinks it's a piece of piss. Nobody. Yeah. People think you know. The, the truth is, my perception of it is it's it's boring, and I'm not going to enjoy it in the slightest. And and also, not only am I not going to enjoy it in the slightest, I don't think they give a shit if I enjoy it in the slightest because it's exclusive and elitist. That's my that was my preconception going into it, and that that was the thing that changed for me. I went into it knowing that ballet was hard, right, and I came out of it realize it well having that confirmed the thing i didn't realize is how how accessible they want it to be do you know what I mean they want more people to come and watch ballet they want more people to yeah. what to to watch it in the same way that everybody goes and watches musical theater or whatever right but so so that was the thing that changed me but it being difficult come on mate nobody mm. nobody thinks ballet's easy nobody a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Nah. Nah, 100%. I mean, what challenges have we got coming up in this new season? Episodes that we might have seen. Give us a little taster of other things that may have been... Uh, well, sorry. <laughs> keep laughing thinking you guys play basketball and doing ballet. But sorry. <laughs> they, they just stood out to me as amazing yeah. bits. But like, what, else, what else really was a grind for you? Uh, well, you know, in the basketball one... The basketball, obviously, you talked about the Humilian experience of training with the guys. One of the worst yeah. things that we did was uh, we had to have a colonic irrigation in that uh, show because that was part of Rob's Rob just thought it's part of an LA lifestyle thing so let's go and have a colonic and I didn't want to do it because well because I didn't want to fucking do it well, you know I don't think you need to give an explanation you don't want to do a colonic it's weird having water pumped into you via your asshole. Um and um I was I, I did think to myself well I'm probably going to be alright because I'm vegan so you know you hear stories about people like a lamb chop comes out from like 1997 or whatever. I don't think that was going to happen to me because because <laughs> I, I don't eat meat, right? And then, honestly, yeah. one of the worst things that ever happened to me, and then to have it televised was even worse, a, a, a completely formed, fully formed button mushroom came out of my arsehole. Fully formed. They didn't even look like it had been chewed. But you'd think... I, I would have thought, because I'm ignorant to colonic irrigation, right? I would have thought that they would have hidden the contents coming out of you, kind of away from you, but mate, from what mate, I gather, they analyse it. Mate, there's a fucking viewing tube, all right? There's a glass tube where you can see everything coming out. I had to sit and watch Rob do it. I've watched, I watched stuff come out of the inside of Rob Beckett, and then he sat and watched. By the way, I did it quietly. He was cackling like yeah. a fucking demon the whole time I was doing it. So it was horrible. It was absolutely horrendous. And then, and then in sort of, you know, keeping up the arsehole theme, one of the things that we had to do in South Africa was we went on safari and uh, they wanted to see if uh, the ry a rhino was pregnant. So we went out with a vet uh, to see if this rhino was pregnant. So the way that you do that is you insert a probe. You don't want to, you don't want to cause any harm to the baby. So you don't go in through the, to the uh, frou-frou. What you do is you go in through the arsehole uh, of the rhino right. with the probe. Now, the problem with that is, obviously, the arsehole has, is, it, that whole cavity is, you know, it's got shit in it. So yeah. Rob and I were tasked with the job of emptying out the rhino's anal cavity. So, right. uh, so basically, uh, we had to put on like a, a plastic glove up to the shoulder and then just mm -hmm. make sure... Uh, that it was completely free of... You know, the problem is, is that when you grip onto something inside it, you don't know if you're gripping shit or actual rhino. Do you know what I mean? So you just have to sort of feel around and, and figure out if that's a ball of shit or a ball of the inside of a rhino's anus. And then just sort of, <laughs> just keep pulling it out. I've got to be honest with you, do you remember when Rebecca Luz wanked off that pig? In, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I did think this might be our equivalent low point. Do you know what I mean? That, <laughs> Pulling shit out of a rhino's arse. Um, I wanted to. First things first. How does how do you think a rhino feels when it wakes up from that ordeal? Uh, 
it, is it, does it feel like it's had a colonic irrigation or does it feel violated? I'm just curious. I, I don't know. It's, I wonder if it just sort of wakes up and goes, uh, before I went to sleep, I could, I could swear I felt like I needed a shit. Yeah, but I feel yeah. like, I feel like completely great now. I feel sort of, yeah, I feel light on Empty. my feet. Yeah. Uh, shit was so good. I passed out, but that wasn't the only thing you did with shit in South Africa though, was it? Oh my God, mate. So when we went on safari, one of the games they play is, uh, I th- I'll be honest with you, I wasn't. I, I was very against this, but because Rob agreed to do it, I agreed to do it. Is this sort of shit spitting where you kind of pick up a gazelle dropping and then you try and spit it as far as you possibly can? Would you have done that? I, I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think I could. I would had. I would have to be there and see the shit because in my because what I didn't know was is it an old dry shit. I was I was thinking because because you because I because when you did it when Rob did it because he's kind of like oh yeah cool yeah I'll do that from watching the show and you kind of think about it but you you had a thing about it. I was like if it's a dry pellet cool if it's like a squidgy wet pellet fuck no because that's getting squashed between my teeth and I'm not pushing shit through my teeth Jim, ever in my life Jim. now there's a point where you kind of just spit it out because you're like I realised I've got shit in my mouth or something like that <laughs> well yeah because, <laughs> like, because yeah. The, the, the only way to play that game is to disengage from what it is you're doing and then 100% I mean all of a sudden you remember that it's shit the, the other yeah. issue is is if you put the shit in your mouth even if it's like a dried pellet or whatever and they start talking to you and then what happens is is you are rehydrating that shit and it starts to become shit again do you know what I mean so it's like <laughs> So I'm like, once I'm loaded, once I'm locked and loaded, it's go, yeah. it's go time. I don't need to have a chat with you, all right? Let's just get yeah, this yeah. done. That was the problem I had. They kept like getting us to put it in our mouths and go, right, so what are you going to do? I don't give a fuck right now. I just need you to get me to the point where this isn't in my mouth now, okay? So that was a problem. Uh, yeah. And because it's TV as well, was it? Was that, I take it, that was one of the shoots where they didn't say, oh, that's great, but we just want to get that from another angle. Can we do that again? Mate, there's some, there's some times where I just go, you've got that. So, so, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And that was, that was one of those yeah. times. We, we had a thing where, like, I did a show in the States and one of the things that we did, we thought it'd be funny to scare my wife and my mum. We, we, the back door to the house, we put, like, a big sheet of sugar glass in it. And I just said, if you think I was boring, if you think I'm boring, watch this. And I jumped through the window, right? And they obviously don't know it's sugar glass and they all shit themselves or whatever. And it was terrifying to do because I just kept thinking I'm going to get the wrong door here and just kill myself. And then yeah. when uh, we jumped through the door, the director goes to me, uh, we might need to get that again. And I went, nah, we ain't getting it. Again. <laughs> you got that. Yeah. If you, you, if you haven't, if you haven't got that covered, you're going to have to do a fucking animation because exactly. I am not jumping through the door again. Exactly. I mean, the, the, um, uh, God. Yeah, crack on. Yeah, no, no, crack on. No, all I was going to say is I had to have a this. I, I, I sort of started to regret saying it because it's anus themed as well. But um, oh, crack on! I had to have an enema in Sri Lanka, and um, for a, for Asian provocateur, this TV show I did a while ago, and they lost the memory card. The camera that was actually on me, they lost that memory card. It went missing in transit or something like that. So that they said to me, oh, "We might have to get you to do that again." And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't see that being in my future. So actually, when you watch the show now, they just cut to the outside of the building and play some music. <laughs> okay. 
I thought you were going to say it was someone else's ass that was. Stunt ass. Yeah. Can you imagine the uh, auditions for that? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, but yeah, before we move on, though, uh, Rob, Rob and Ramesh versus, I mean, a big part of the show is. You guys have known each other for a while, right? I take it from the chemistry on the show because it comes across. But fuck me, do you piss each other off? How real is this pissing of each other off? Are you guys hyping out for the cam? Or, or is this all all really how you rub each other up? No, it's genuine, man. I mean, look, what I would say is is that that is our relationship. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so Rob is like, Rob is, is a really good friend of mine, but... I would say 90% of the time we are like take, ripping the shit out of each other and not in a fun bantry way, bickering. We are bickery, do you know what I mean? And like sometimes, yeah. like we we hosted the Royal Variety together and like most of the time I was backstage, I was like, Rob, just fucking chill out. That was like me sort of backstage because he's so excitable. So what you see on screen is genuinely, genuinely how we are, do you know what I mean? It is kind of, um, it is, I mean, obviously it's heightened because Rob and I, when we normally hang out, we're not on our way to anally evacuate a rhinoceros. Do you know what I mean? So, so that puts you under a, a level of stress that means that those situations are heightened. Normally, Rob and I just be having a drink. You know, you're not in those kind of mm. uh, high pressure situations where tensions are, you know, tensions are high, tempers are short, or whatever. We're just chilling out. So, it's 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 not exaggerated. But I would say it's escalated by the pressure of the situation. Like when we did, you know, the, the, the country and western one, we had to write and perform a country and western song at a club in Nashville. The pressure of doing that did mean that we started arguing with each other. I mean, that just <laughs> that just happened because you're just stressed as fuck. Do you know what I mean? So, and Rob has got absolutely yeah. no musical talent whatsoever. So when we get back to the hotel, we were starting trying to practice it. And what was happening is the more that Rob was rehearsing it, the worse he was getting at it. And so that, you know, so then we started, we started having to go at each other then. But we're never, <laughs> we're never genuine. I'm never thinking to myself, I hate this guy. It's just, it's like family. You know how, like, how you go at family or whatever. It's like that. Yeah, man. Yeah, you guys definitely get at it, man. And like, honestly, fucking great show. Rob and Romish versus, man. Make sure you check it out. That's on Sky at the moment, isn't it? I think you can um, stream it and also watch yeah, it. I think it's on Now TV. Whatever type of Sky you yeah, got. Yeah. yeah, Now TV as well, yeah. aka... Sky. Yes, isn't basically. That is, isn't it? Yeah. Basically. <laughs> I was like, why don't you just call it Sky Online? No, no, we'll call it 9 TV. All right. I know, I know. It's, yeah. a, it's a weird yeah. rebranding decision, but yeah, fair play. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, another show that's um, on right now, Ranganation Series 2. Uh, first question off the bat, which is going to be related to the show. Can you describe what I am seeing right now and where you are for those that aren't seeing the video clips that we're putting in. Yeah, so I am in my son's bedroom. Now, the reason uh, I'm in my son's bedroom is because um, they're doing homeschooling and this is the only other room that has a desk in it. Now, now normally I would go, I'd be doing this in my garage, but because we're filming Ranganation from the garage, that is currently like a little TV studio setup. So that is why... I'm having to um I'm having to do it from the bedroom. Now, I, I did Graham Norton the other night and I did that interview from this room. So this is the backdrop for that interview. And they said to me, try not to mention that it's your son's bedroom because people think it's a bit out of order that you've kicked your son out of his bedroom. So now everybody that watched Norton, bearing in mind that show goes out internationally, think that I sleep in a bunk bed <laughs> and have some stars around my window. 
It's one of the bug beds with the guard to stop you rolling out <laughs> as well, like your ADHD kid. <laughs> Saying that because I needed one of those guards because I've many a time. I still managed to hurdle out of it during yeah. the night as well. So I just, what a way to wake up. So I just had to do this chat and then like yeah. on my Twitter, just what the fuck's up with Romish's bedroom? And I'm just like... <laughs> Yeah, it looks very cosy, but yeah. I mean, the total converse to that is a, is the studio setup you got for Ranganation Series Two. It looks proper. It looks really, really good, man. How how do you get that set up? If you don't mind me asking, because it looks great. Well, we the truth is is that we um, were looking at all of these, uh, and 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 I've got to give credit to Zepatron, a production company, because we we they we we talked about this at length about how we were going to do this because. The thing was, it was a bit of a... We're in a weird situation in terms of, obviously, you know, with shows like the Ranganation, like that kind of topical studio shows, you're trying to make them in lockdown conditions, but you also want them to look like a TV show. And I think, like, initially, people are kind of... People are kind of accepting. There's a certain amount that they'll accept, you know, that it's not going to be like how it normally is when you watch a lot of these shows. Like, have I got news for you in shows like that? They're all doing it on lockdown. But... um we just wanted it to look as much like a proper studio TV show as we possibly could with it still being at my house. Do you know what I mean? And we didn't want it to be, you know, the discussion was we sort of didn't want it to look like I was in my kitchen or we sort of didn't want it to look like I was in my garage. We wanted it to look like you're having a, an experience of watching a proper TV show uh, or a TV, you know, a, a snazzy TV show, I guess, for want of a better word. So the production team came in and the set designer stuff looked at that garage you know, I had to do a load of like, I mean, I, I, for the first time in my life, I had to do like floor plans and send them to them so that they could get an idea of what they're doing. And they just basically transformed that game. I mean, we had to do it. It's very difficult because we had to do it all social distancing. So I would like disinfect the garage keys, leave them outside my front door. A load of people dressed up like the end of E.T. would turn up <laughs> in my driveway and like go and start doing it. And I wasn't, we weren't allowed anywhere near the garage while they're working on that because they all had to social distance from each other. They had to social distance from us. They were then disinfect. You know, it was all done like I had to have briefings and shit like that about how it was going to be done and stuff like that. Um, and we had to notify the neighbours because we're having broadcast trucks and shit like that. But then they sent me a photo from the garage and they said, oh, this is what it looks like. I just couldn't believe it, man. Like, they, they totally transformed it. It was amazing. It was, it just looks, it just doesn't look like a garage. It's, it's amazing what they've done. But the other thing is, the other thing that's key to that show is the tech. Because the Ranganation, for those of you that haven't watched it, the original version of it is me talking to two guests uh comics or tv personalities or whatever and 20 25 members of the public the ranga nation right um so obviously that's a lot of people to try and coordinate for the show and we just thought well there's no point doing the ranga nation if we don't have similar numbers it would be so shit if um it was me plus two members of the ranga nation and two guests or whatever. it just wouldn't be the same show so they looked into the technology of being able to first of all have 20 people on the screen in front of me, which is, you know, one thing. But then for me to be able to interact with them in real time, and then whenever I go to one of them, a close-up of them appears so that they're, they're there for the, for the TV thing. And also being able to interact with the guests and have those guests talk to the Ranganation. So the tech setup of it was crazy. And also they're not allowed to have camera people in my garage. So it's all like little R2-D2 looking cameras in the garage or whatever. Um, 
and we just had to rehearse the shit out of it basically it's like they set it up in the garage and um we spent the best part of two weeks where every day we went into that garage we would do a rehearsal something would go wrong We'd have to go away and fix it. We'd come back again, and eventually it got to the point to, to where it was today. So, I mean, I've, I've sort of waffled a bit there, but the point is, the point I'm trying to make is, it took a shit ton of work. Mostly not by me, I'll be honest with you. I uh, I just sort of rocked up. Appreciate the honesty, but it looks good though. I've got to be honest. There's a few lockdown shows, naming no names, and it literally is shot in the kitchen. And I'm like, look, mate, you didn't even put a sign up in the background, yeah? <laughs> Amazon could deliver you one in 24 hours. Come on, put some effort in. But no, it, look, it looks really good. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the Ranga Nation, I mean, there's another big star of the show as well, and, and that is your mum. Got a quick clip of her. Mum, what did you think of the monologue? Uh, you can do a bit better than that. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with it? Why don't you practice? I have to, I forget. I just, <laughs> I just turn up no, here and pull it out of my ass. No. There's, there's an auto key It doesn't look like that you have practiced. Like that. Mum, this side barely functions. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and, and obviously that's from season one where you had a live audience, but um, she is in season two as well, isn't she? She is joining us uh, and she is as, uh, it's great to see her as opinionated as ever. I love the relationship that you have with your mum. Uh, yeah, my, uh, again, that's another thing where, like, that is just how my mum is, do you know what I mean? And I, I think that when, uh, when we first started, when I first started working with her, I worked with her on this travel show, worked with her, but, you know, she, I, was, I was doing stuff with her on this travel show. Part of the thing was is that she kept on being polite or trying to, you know, be not be herself for the TV. And then as soon as you get her to switch that off and just be herself and act like she normally does, it, 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 it is great. Do you know what I mean? But um, it's just constant, mate. It's con the tech. She cannot, she cannot work it or do anything with it. Like we had, they wanted her sound to be good, so. We did a rehearsal. I couldn't hear her properly the whole way through the rehearsal, right? So we're doing this thing, and I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is a nightmare, because if we can't get her sound sorted out, it's going to be so difficult for her to be part of the show. And then we got to the end of the show, and I said, and I said Mum, your sound still wasn't good. And then the director said, Shanti, did you, um, did you get the mic that we sent you? She said, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't put it on, darling, because, I, because of my blouse. I said, so, <laughs> I said, so can I just get this straight? You've done the whole show, the whole rehearsal without the mic connected. She went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, did you think that they had to, they had to pay people to, to come out on an essential journey to deliver a microphone to your house and it was too much hassle for you to attach it to your lapel? I couldn't believe it, man. I couldn't. And it's just stuff like, stuff like she'll go, she, 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 like during one of the rehearsals, honestly, it sounds like I'm making up. During one of the rehearsals, I kept on asking her questions. She wasn't saying anything. I text her at the end. I go, so what happened? She goes, oh, the whole thing was frozen the whole time. I said, well, did you think about telling anyone? Did you, did you just think that we were just going to carry on with the show and that was it and you just react to what you thought might have happened? I said, you've got to be able to watch what's happening. It's crazy, man. That has been, that has been, that has been a, a, one of the toughest things of getting my, is getting my mum up. We had an emergency yesterday. We, taped, we recorded one yesterday. We had an emergency because her curtains fell down uh, in the room that she was filming in and she didn't know how to put them back up. So I had to send my brother and a member of production on an emergency journey to her house to sort it out. It's insane. 
I love it, man. I mean, it, it does add a nice element to the show, having your mum's opinion alongside everything else. And um, I got another quick clip to, to play as well. She's not really shy at kind of, um, well, she tells it how it is. Would you like it if your mother was dating someone new and having sex in your home? Or would yeah. you be okay with that now? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> She's like... <laughs> I, I don't know, it depends, it depends how loud she was being, I guess. Oh. Like, I definitely wouldn't want to, like, be lying in bed and say, Oh, you're absolutely smashing it! <laughs> love it, love it. And, there's, and she does say something great after that, but if you want to listen to that, then you make sure you listen to the uh, roundup of Series 1 there on the BBC iPlayer. There you go. But, mate, I fucking... I love it. Like, you're giving your mum bants. She's giving it back as well. It's, it's great. Uh, also, I want to know if this is true, because... There's rumour going around and there is some footage. I've seen it, but I wasn't sure. Did you really have a tattoo put on your body of one of the Ranga Nation? And, and, and was it really a response to a tattoo that they had? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all legit. So, so what happened was, is there's a guy in the Ranga Nation called Metalhead. And he revealed last series that he had got like a, a silhouette of me tattooed onto his uh, onto his body. I think it was on his on his calf. It was on his calf. And he showed, yep. unfortunately for him, me in silhouette looks very similar to Colonel Sanders. So it's, it's difficult to sort of <laughs> fully ascertain who the tribute is to. But it's a good tattoo. Anyway, we were talking about something cool to do for the last episode of the series. And I said to them, oh, I, I can't remember who came with the idea. We had this idea of me getting it on my leg. And they, the production team were like, um, we just get it like drawn on. But I just sort of felt like it's such a lame thing to do is like have a drawing done, and it's not. So I said to them, what I, I said to him, I think we should have the, I should actually have the tattoo done because like, that's what he did. And I said, otherwise, there's no point. I think I think it feels a bit out of order to go. I oh, look, mate, I have got this tattoo, and then it wipes off. I just don't think that's right. Obviously, then them and the BBC started to panic because. They've got a duty of care or whatever. They don't want to be seen to be encouraging me to permanently mark my body or whatever. So they sent a cameraman to the tattoo place and I had to do a statement to the camera to say, neither the BBC nor the production company have forced me to do this. I'm doing this of my own volition. Uh, I'm choosing to do this and all this shit. But um, so I had to do all of that. But I did get the tattoo properly done. Yeah. And um, he loved it. It was it was it was. uh, it was a it was a nice moment. Do you know what I mean? I, I say it's a nice. Yeah, moment. it was class. It made about a minute of the edit, and it's on my body permanently. So I'll, I'll leave it up to you as to whether it was worth it or not. But um, it's done. I, I thought it was quite charming. It's something that will go down in the books as a cute thing that Romesh did. I reckon, man. <laughs> um, so, like, what's your relationship with the guys off the show? Because obviously, throughout the first season, you did they were there throughout the filming of it. So I feel like the rapport must have grown in a way with you guys. Yeah, I mean. Uh, that you can't help but um, but get to know those guys and and um, you know keep in touch with a lot of them and um, you know between last series and, and this series I was on tour before every, obviously everything stopped like that and they were they, you know a few of them came to shows and I met up with the masters and stuff like that and you, and you do get to you get to really know them in the same way that the audience do it's 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 a really I, I think actually. I don't do it because of this, but I do think it genuinely helps the show if you've got an, a, a proper rapport with these people because you kind of get an idea of what they might think about certain things. You know who to go to on certain topics. We discuss, like, obviously a wide variety of stuff. And sometimes I think to myself, well, I know, for example, 
that Wheeler Dealer will have a strong opinion on this or uh, or Eco Vegan will have an opinion on this. So you sort of know who to go to on certain things. So yeah, you can't help but, but develop a relationship. Having said that, if this series gets cancelled, I won't be in touch with any of them ever again. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, what, is, is this, wait, this I think, what, a clip of the vegan. I learned how to hug a tree properly. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, let me just say something. I'm a vegan. You're not doing us any favours. So, um, yeah, Ramesh. Um, First of all, why are you hugging a tree? We were at a stately home, and right. my husband hugged the front of a tree, so I hugged the other end of it. Okay. And then he said, "You're not hugging it properly." They had a tree. And Hey, uh, so yeah, you've uh, she she's a tree hugging vegan. Um, like you said, not doing you any favors over there. Uh, what's ve- what's vegan life like during lockdown? Forgot to ask you that. Uh, it's uh, it's okay. Um, I've actually it's actually better to be honest with you for me because when um, when we're not on lockdown, my wife doesn't bother to get me anything in a weekly shop. But now she's started to become worried about me, and so. Uh, she buys me. She she buys loads of vegan stuff for me. So it's it's pretty good actually. It's not bad. Um, the the um, the only problem is is most of like the delivery places and stuff that I used to go to for vegan stuff they were they're all shut at the moment. So it's only kind of like the little like local places which I do obviously want to support. But the only thing they can send you is a kebab. So it's not really ideal for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not really the one, is it, man? Um, I've, I just feel like my cooking game's gone up a little bit during this whole lockdown as well. Yeah. I feel like I've experimented more. Um, yeah, 100%. In fact, that's one of the things we, we're talking about in the Ranganation is like people's go-to. Because what actually happens is in lockdown is people start making shit up. It's not even about following recipes. They've got some weird snack that, they, uh, that they've decided to, has become their go-to thing. And so uh, my, my wife has been doing a lot of experimenting. She made, what did she make the... She's been making a lot of Mexican food and um, it's difficult because she's experimenting. She's trying stuff out. Sometimes she freestyles it and uh, sometimes it's, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's, it's dreadful. But, but she, has, she has put the effort in, do you know what I mean? So it's kind of, she'll go to me, can I have your honest opinion on this? And I go, well, my honest opinion is it would it'd make me a real prick if I said that this tasted like what it really tastes like because you spent an hour and a half on it. So... I'll just say it's good. I mean, it's thank you for making the effort, you know? Mmm. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's, that's, that's what I'm... I'm good at that one. Uh, but Drinks, glass of yeah, water. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. that, listen, that's not every time. Uh, only most of the time. I hear that. So, you know, every now and again, she, she's, uh, she's come out with a blinder. So, yeah, I do definitely think yeah. Kitchen Game has stepped up. I've, de- I've definitely started experimenting more. 100%. Well, you know, I know that I can eat a whole packet of Pringles in one go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's not a recipe, but it is, really. <laughs> you know, <laughs> once you pop, you can't stop. Um, before we crack, I've got just a couple of more things I want sure. to talk about because, you've, man, you've got so much stuff coming out. Uh, but on Ranganation, you also play a game which is great, which is called, I might get this wrong, Who, who's wearing trousers? Are they wearing trousers or not? Tra- because, um, trousers or no trousers. That's it. Trousers or no trousers. Yeah. Uh, so... And it's basically a game where you find out if on Zoom someone is wearing trousers or no trousers. I did this with uh, a guest that we've got uh, 
that's coming out in a couple of weeks time not not allowed to say who they are just yet but a big music artist and they were wearing pajamas whilst they had a full ensemble of like fancy clothes up top so it's only right i ask you Romesh, are you wearing trousers or not mate uh look i i can confirm to you i am actually wearing trousers so oh, there you go he's got, he's got jeans on there you go yeah i i, I wouldn't normally do that but i just think if you do a show that has an item called trousers or no trousers you have to be prepared to be called out on it. Do you know what I mean? So, hundred um, percent. Yeah. So I was ready, but all, but I'll be butt naked the second that we finish this interview. Oh, bruv. Yeah. Why not? I'm I'm not being funny, but I am not going through much underwear at all, yeah, bro. Yeah. No, totally not necessary. Yeah. I mean, yeah, laundry saving loads of money on that. Uh, so, <laughs> misadventures from your sofa. Yeah. Go. Well, we did uh, I, I, we did two series of a show called Misadventures of Romesh Ranganathan, where um, actually the original remit of that show was that we were going to go to the most dangerous places in the world and see if they were worth going on holiday to. But then what happened was is that when we told them what countries we wanted to go to, the BBC kept saying, no, you can't film there, it's too dangerous. So we're like, well, we can't do a show that's the most dangerous places that are not too dangerous for you to film in. <laughs> That's a fucking insane idea for a TV show. So it's like Ross Kemp yeah, does yeah, Asbos. Yeah, that's yeah. It. <laughs> so we were like, uh, so we decided to just make it like places that people don't tend to go to or have negative perceptions of or haven't even thought of as a place. So in the first series, we went to uh, Haiti, uh, Ethiopia, uh, Albania, and uh, uh, where was the other place? Uh, Mongolia, I think. And then, um, I mean, uh, sorry, we've, we've been to Mongolia. We've also been to Colombia, um, Bosnia, um, Zimbabwe. Oh, that was the other one. And uh, and also we did Christmas episodes in uh, the, the Sahara and in the Arctic, right? So we've been to all sorts of places. And each of those shows, um, we have a co-host who's from the area who shows me around and explains to me and helps me to shatter any preconceptions I might have about the country. So misadventures from my sofa, basically when we do these shows, there's loads of stuff that we do that never makes the cut that because um, it, 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 it's too mad or it doesn't, uh, we just run out of space or whatever. And there's lots of behind the scenes stuff that we capture, we film it and it's not quite, it doesn't quite fit in with the show or whatever. So it just doesn't make it. Do you know what I mean? So misadventures from my sofa is basically me catching up with all of my co-hosts again and talking through the process of making the show and also showing some stuff that we didn't that we didn't show in the original show. So it's going to be kind of a, a too hot for TV version of misadventures. Um, and I, too hot for TV. Some of the uh, co-hosts I've kept in touch with, and some of them I haven't really spoken to since we did the show. So I've got no idea what they thought of the show, if they thought I was respectful, if they're annoyed that I haven't kept in touch with them. So, I, I you know, who knows how it's going to go down. That would be great if we just had a whole ep- like episode where people are like, you know what? For fuck's sake, you know what? I, t- I tried to call the guy after the show and he didn't, he didn't call me back. You know what? He doesn't fucking care. Do you, and then you're like, yeah, I don't care. Sorry. Do you know, do you know the mad, the, the one was, uh, so Ayona, who was my co-host in, um, in um, Albania, she yeah. um she just couldn't understand that I was a comedian or a presenter and it, it just couldn't because she was a TV presenter over there and just she couldn't because all of their comedy is like slapstick and wah, 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 and yeah. you know all that kind of shit so they didn't I mean that's probably very disrespectful to Albanian comedy but the point I'm trying to make is 
It's all right. Clipped yeah, it. Yeah. It's on Twitter already, mate. <laughs> so like, but like, like, you know, she was like, you're so serious. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, how can you be a comedian? And like, you don't seem to be happy about anything and blah, blah, blah. And so the whole time she just kept on saying to the production team, is he really? She couldn't fucking believe that I was, I was doing any kind of presenting or comedy in the UK. So I'm very excited about chatting to her again. Because I don't, I think she might have thought she was a victim of some sort of prank. You know, I don't think she thought this is ever going to be a BBC show. Yeah. <sighs> well, it'd be good to see because there's nothing I love more than seeing comedy going over someone's head because of cultural difference. I don't because it's like who who feels more embarrassed because you if you understand someone's trying to tell a joke, but you're like, yeah, I don't quite. Like get that or the person telling the joke or whatever and then they try and crack one back and both of you are just like oh mate it was so bad yeah let's uh let's just move on shall we it was, it yeah. was so bad because I, I did this the albanian version of this morning because that's what yeah. a kind of like the holly willoughby of uh, of albania so um when um we did the the show people in the gallery were messaging again is there something wrong with him like why is he he just seems to be so serious. He's not really giving you a lot, is he? Like, they were really freaking out about it. And so then, for the second half of the show, I just went super fucking extra on it. Like, so high energy. Just humiliatingly so. <laughs> Fuck it. you got to do yeah. it, mate. you got to do it. Um, so, yeah, all right. Well, I look forward to checking that out as well, man. Um, quick one before we get out of here, though. Um, Liverpool supporter? No. Jesus, no. Who do you support? Uh, Who do you support? Arsenal. Oh, good man, good man. I got my research. Liverpool for some reason. Oh, good. I'm really glad to hear Can that. Can you mate. find out? So no, f- favor, find out whoever's spreading that rumor and have them assassinated. Because yeah, man, fuck <laughs> that. Yeah, man. I mean, you know what? I'm, I don't want to turn this into a football pod, but fucking hell, Liverpool supporters. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of happy that the season's fucked. Well, because, <laughs> because, because right now they've got no bragging rights. I mate. know. It's uh, you know the thing is, if it was Arsenal, I'd be devastated. Liverpool Liverpool fans are possibly the worst set of fans that this could happen to, do you know what I mean? Because they've been waiting for this for such a long time. They're so vocal. Um and they're also quite aggressive as well. I did a I did a show uh not aggressive, passionate is the best way. I did a I did a yeah, I yeah. did a show called Football's Funniest Moments. Uh, and I talked about you know when Gerard said we do not let this slip and then he slipped. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, and I sort of did a thing where I just sort of said it's quite it just sort of how funny it is. I don't think I've ever had as many death threats on social media as when that show went out, man. I mean, people were pissed. Do you know what I mean? Liverpool today die literally. Yes, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean? So, so what I'm going to say to you now is, um, if the season gets cancelled and the league doesn't get presented to Liverpool, they have my greatest sympathy. I hear that. You know, I-, <laughs> <laughs> I was at a wedding and my mate was like, uh, met my missus six years ago. Um, and we knew that we'd be the ones for each other six months into our relationship. And just like Liverpool, being a Liverpool supporter, six is a very important number for me. We're like, it's your fucking wedding, bro. Your <laughs> wedding speech. And you're putting in Liverpool title wins. Yeah. Shut. The only person I know that got booed at his own wedding speech and he was the group. <laughs> Crazy. Um, so yeah, what are you up, what up to for the rest of your day, man? What are you getting up to? Uh, not a lot, really. I, uh, uh, I've got a couple of bits to do for my podcast, Hip Hop Saved My Life. And then that's it, really. I've got a bit of a chilled out day. Ranganation is kind of Monday to Thursday and then Fridays I kind of have a bit of a chilled one. 
I hear that. My bad. I didn't even mention the podcast. Well, don't worry about prolific, uh, prolific hip hop saved my life, mate. How's yeah? What's cracking with that at the moment? I've uh, you know, it's still churning it out, still sounding good. Uh, yeah, we're just sort of carried. It. I'll be honest with you. It's not you know when you invited me onto this podcast, um, it, it illustrated to me that you have a level of professionalism and uh, slickness to this. That is oh, taking the piss. Is, All right, no, I'm about to get no, rinsed. No, All right, cheers, no, mate. I'm being genuine. <laughs> it's so far above what we do on hip hop. Hip hop saved my life is a fucking shambles of a show, and we just sort of we just sort of talk about hip hop randomly. Whereas this actually looks like it's had some work put into it. So I, I'm I'm actually genuinely commending you. This is actually a proper podcast. Whereas what we do cheers, is man. fart out some ideas about what we think about tribe called quest and stuff like that so um but yeah it's kind of one of those things where i've got no real aspirations for it do you know what i mean we just sort of it's kind of like we do it for a bit of a laugh more than anything else i mean it's really pure though i mean you say that and, and romo says that but i mean recently and i don't want to start picking out favorite episodes because it kind of shits on everyone else but one that stood out to me because they're a fellow hip-hop connoisseur you had jagger skills on man yeah come on yeah i was your 100th episode and you had him on and i think he's somebody who in terms of knowledge of hip-hop it's amazing because I've I've interviewed him in the past and and every time I see there's another interview I just want to go and listen to it man but he, isn't he a great guy to talk to with regards to knowledge well look J- Jag Skills is uh, he's somebody that like I've always thought is an absolute master of his craft you know in terms of DJing um, and he applies that to every single thing he does you know and he has a background in hip hop journalism and he has a real passion for hip hop. And so when you talk to him, you know, you'll be able to tell. I was just kind of giddy with the stories he was telling about interviewing Biggie and stuff like that and his experiences of DJing and his experiences of production. And one of the things that he's doing that's so amazing is he's doing this podcast, he's doing his own podcast where every episode is a a year in the history of hip-hop mix. Um, And he does this thing where he takes tunes and he breaks them down to their initial sample and he'll play the original tune and then he'll gradually add the elements of it to get you to the to the hip hop tune. It's amazing, and he is like you know like you know like when you meet you chat to somebody and you go you are so good at what you do. I find it offensive that you're not a billionaire or that you're not a a, a, meg, a world famous yeah. megastar. And Jaguar Skills is one of those people. I just think his talent is so immense, and also his work ethic is insane as well. To put to do to put that level of effort into doing that and put it out as a podcast. He's not even, he's just doing it for the love of the game. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing. I think that's what makes some of his content so good is that you can just tell that he's poured love into yeah. it. Like even when he was doing the mini mixes for Radio 1, he, they were a fucking grind yeah. at the time yeah. as well. Yeah. Like technology's advanced now, so it's a bit easier for him to do that. But he was pulling together, you know, like you said, he, was, he would break down tunes into elements, not in the way he's doing it in these latest mixes, but you could kind of see where those came from. And without having that pure passion combined with knowledge and the fact that he is woven into the fabric of UK hip hop culture, he is, he's part of it now. You can't be doing what he's doing for so long without being part yeah. of it and touching uh, the people that he's touched. So it's amazing, man. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, he he um, he did a mix for my tour show. Um, yeah. And um, he uh, so I asked him to do it and he put something together and it was like, it had the level of effort and... Uh, uh, and precision in it that you would expect from a commercially released album. Do you know what I mean? It was like, and he just did it for me, like to play out as people walk into the venue. Do you know what I mean? But 
he wasn't going to half-ass that. He just doesn't half-ass anything. Nah. Do you know what I mean? He's an amazing guy. Nah. Doesn't fuck around. And I mean, yeah, that's what we try and do with this podcast here as well. I mean, the fact that we're people that aren't white, middle-class, trying to talk about technology. Yeah, we've got to, got to be a little bit more professional than the others. I'll tell you that for free, mate. I'll tell you that. Walked into console releases. And I thought, thought this console's for young kids. It's full of my uncles in here from my mum's side. What's going on? But, um, now I appreciate hearing that from you, man. And and like the, the crazy thing about talking to you, Ramesh, we've been talking for over an hour, so I will let you go soon. But like you churn out so much fucking content. Like sometimes I feel like, how the fuck do you get this all done? So I've got to ask you, how the fuck do you continue to be able to put out stuff that you're acting in? You're doing live shows when we're not on lockdown. You're traveling the world. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing Ranga Nation. And yes, I know these things are not all done at the same time, but your work ethic is crazy man and your output can you just give us a bit of insight into how you maintain that yeah uh i guess i mean the truth is i am uh i'm really uh, genuinely i'm a very lazy person and so um i have to um i kind of end up basically i'm lucky that i do comedy because i really love what i do and so the truth is it doesn't feel like work do you know what I mean i mean i i sort of I, I, I have the I do these shows and do bits and pieces and do live stand up and things and I never really dread doing those things. Um, I, I always look forward to doing them, and so that means that my work ethic it doesn't really feel like a work ethic. What it feels like is I'm just doing another thing I really love doing. Do you know what I mean? So cool. so cool. I end up only ever really choosing to do stuff that I think will be fun or that I I could bring something to. Um, yeah, and man. so that's kind of what drives me. The only thing I would say is like, I do think that if I ever, you know, the, the one thing that I try not to do is I try not to do something that I couldn't give a hundred percent to. Do you know what I mean? So if I ever, I think I've com I can, if I, I would never, I'll try always to avoid committing to something where I couldn't be a hundred percent in it the whole time I'm doing it. Like I'd hate to be doing even, you know, like it's kind you were kind enough to ask me to come on this podcast I wouldn't want this podcast to be one of 10 things that I'm doing this morning and so I'm talking to you but not being fully engaged in the conversations I think that's the that's the only rule that I have is that you know I'm happy to do loads but I think you have to make sure that you're sort of in it as you're co completely committed to that thing while you're doing it do you know what I mean yeah man does that mean you were fully committed to that game of basketball one-on-one -on -one that you played? Mate, that was me. <laughs> that was me at fucking 100%. I wish I could tell you that I was thinking about something else, but I wasn't. I was in the zone. That oh, was me in the zone, mate. <laughs> that was you on fire. Wow. That was, that was your Liam Neeson taken moment. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, on that note, um, we're about to wrap the show now. But uh, Ramesh, where, where do you want us to go to look for you, man? Where, where should we go? <laughs> Uh, I guess uh, if you just go to uh, rameshranganathan.com and then Bosh. follow me on all the social media shit and whatever. Uh, but yeah, please don't it. feel any pressure to do that. I'm quite happy for you to never engage. It's, you know, 100% pressure to do that and engage as well. 100%. Uh, we're at How to Kill an Hour on all social medias. That's How to Kill an Hour. And I'm Marcus Bronzy, M A R C U S B R O N. ZY. Uh, thank you for killing some time with us. There's plenty of ways for, for killing time out there. Um, so, in the meantime, in between time, that sounded so old school. In the meantime, in between time, stay blessed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.